Hello and welcome to another episode of Covenant and Conversation with me, Rabbi Sachs. In each new episode, we'll explore a Jewish idea from the Hebrew Bible based on the Torah reading of the week. On Jewish character, Pekudeh has sometimes been called the accountant's parasha because that's how it begins, with the audited accounts of the money and materials donated to the sanctuary. It's the Torah's way of teaching us of the need for financial transparency. But beneath the sometimes dry surface lie two extraordinary stories, one told in last week's parasha, the other the week before, teaching us something deep about the Jewish nature, that it's still true today. The first has to do with the sanctuary itself. God told Moses to ask people to make contributions. Some brought gold, some silver, some copper. Some gave wool or linen or animal skins. Others contributed acacia wood, oil, spices or incense. Some gave precious stones for the high priest's breastplate. What was remarkable was the willingness with which they gave. The people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning, so all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left with what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord has commanded to be done. So Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering from a, for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because... What they had already brought was more than enough to do all the work. They brought too much. Moses had to tell them to stop. That is not the Israelites, as we had become used to seeing them, argumentative, quarrelsome, ungrateful. This is a people that longs to give. One Pasha earlier, we read a very different story. The people were anxious. Moses had been up the mountain for a long time. Was he still alive? Had some accident happened to him? If so, how would they receive the divine word telling them what to do and where to go? Hence their demand for a calf, essentially an oracle, an object through which divine instruction could be heard. Aaron, according to the most favoured explanation, realised that he couldn't stop the people directly by refusing their request, so he adopted a stalling manoeuvre. He did something with the intention of slowing them down, trusting that if the work could be delayed, Moses would reappear. This is what he said. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. According to the Midrash, he thought this would create arguments within families and the project would be delayed. Instead, immediately afterwards, without a pause, we read, so all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. Again, the same generosity. Now, these two projects could not be less alike. One, the tabernacle was holy. The other, the calf, was close to being an idol. Building the tabernacle was the supreme mitzvah. Making the calf was pretty much the supreme sin. Yet their response was the same in both cases. Hence the comment of the sages, one cannot understand the nature of this people. If they are appealed to for a calf, they give. If appealed to for the tabernacle, they give. That is Yerushalmi Shkalim. The common factor was generosity. Jews may not always make the right choices in what they give to, but they give. In the 12th century, Moses Maimonides twice interrupts his customary 
calm legal prose. In his law code, the Mishnah Torah, to make the same point, speaking about tzedakah, charity, he says, we have never seen or heard about a Jewish community which doesn't have a charity fund. The idea that a Jewish community could exist without a network of charitable provisions was almost inconceivable. And later in the same book, Maimonides says we are obligated to be more scrupulous in fulfilling the command of tzedakah than any other positive command because tzedakah is the sign of the righteous person, a descendant of Abraham, our father, as it is said, for I know him that he will command his children to do tzedakah. If someone is cruel and doesn't show mercy, there are sufficient grounds to suspect his lineage since cruelty is found only among other nations, says Maimonides. Whoever give, refuses to give charity is called belial, the same term that is applied to idol, idol worshippers, says Maimonides. So Maimonides is here saying more than that Jews give charity. He's saying that a charitable disposition is part of the Jewish genetic heritage, part of the DNA of what it is to be a Jew. It's one of the signs of being a child of Abraham, so much so that if someone doesn't give to charity, there are grounds to suspect his lineage. Whether this is nature or nurture or both, to be Jewish is to give. There's a fascinating feature of the geography of the land of Israel. It contains two seas, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee is full of life. The Dead Sea, as its name implies, is not. Yet they are fed by the same river, the Jordan. The difference is that the Sea of Galilee receives water and gives water. The Dead Sea receives but does not give. To receive but not to give is, in Jewish geography, as well as in Jewish psychology, simply not life. So it was in the time of Moses, so it is today. In virtually every country in which Jews live, their charitable giving is out of all proportion to their numbers. In Judaism, to live is to give. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening. You can download a written version of my commentary and explore all my additional content by visiting www rabbisax.org This year, we also have an accompanying family edition of Covenant and Conversation aimed at connecting children and teenagers with these ideas and thoughts. For a family edition discussion sheet on this week's parasha, please go to www.rabbisax.org slash cc family edition.